Keeping It With Jones, the Lonnie Jones podcast adventure, is brought to you by TKM Incorporated. This company located in Moss, Tennessee, specializes in erosion control, hydro-seeding, hydro-mulch, silt fence. They do minor excavation work, and they also provide traffic control and construction signs. Their mission is keeping people safe. Their passion is wishing that all men could be saved. TKM stands for The King's Men. If you'd like to contact The King's Men, you can contact them at 931-243-3958. 931-243-3958. Or you may email them at tkminc2001 at twlakes.net. That is tkminc2001 at twlakes.net. The King's Men in partnership with Keeping Up With Jones, the Lonnie Jones podcast adventure. Keeping Up With Jones, the Lonnie Jones podcast adventure is sponsored by SJL General Contractors. SJL General Contractors is licensed in both Alabama and Tennessee. This family-owned business provides mass grading, storm drainage, sewer and concrete improvement, asphalt paving, erosion control, demolition, and heavy hauling. If you're in need of any of these services, you can contact them at 931-433-4660. That is 931-433-4660. If you'd like to be employed by this family-owned company, three W's and a dot, sjnl.com, www.sjnl.com. they asked me to speak in chapel. Now, you've got to understand that as a, an 18-year-old freshman at Harding University, the idea of standing in front of a group of people and giving a devotional talk was not a big deal. I'd been giving devotional talks since I was a, a young man. The church I grew up in, the Oxford Church of Christ, uh, the little building located on Chakalaka Street in Oxford, I'd stood in front of that room many, many times to to read scripture or to lead a prayer or to give a devotional talk. I remember one year during vacation Bible school, I quoted the entire second chapter of the book of Acts because uh, Charles Box had given that to us as an assignment. Uh, when they moved out on the highway, I've stood in front of that room and, and preached in a gospel meeting, and I've delivered several lessons there. So here I was as a freshman at Harding University, and I'm going to give a, a little short devotional talk in chapel. And I'm sitting on the stage with the president, the vice president, uh, an academic dean, and the guy who's leading singing. And, and I'm sitting on the stage, and I'm looking out at an audience of about 3,000 students. Coming from a small town of Oxford, Alabama, you never really thought about what it would be like to stand in a room and, and step up to a podium in front of 3,000 people. And I guess in the past, I had always been maybe nervous about preaching or speaking and didn't know I was nervous. And the nervousness just converted itself to energy or volume during my presentations. Well, on this occasion, I stood up and, and I got behind the podium and I opened my Bible and my right leg began to tremble. It began to kind of bend back and forth at the knee. I kind of called it the Elvis leg. And it was moving so fast and jumping so hard. I didn't really know what to do with it. I was, I was confused. It was distracting. And so I simply took the ankle of my right leg and caught it in the bend of my left knee and held it there in kind of this modified yoga preaching pose. 
And so there I was, and, and the audience couldn't see me, but the president and the vice president, the academic dean, and the song leader could, were sitting behind me so they could see my stork yoga preaching pose. Since that time, I'd appeared in chapel and in the auditoriums at Harding University, and I've repelled in the chapel, and I've been in chapel dressed like Mr. T, and I've been in chapel dressed like Spider-Man. I even made an appearance in, in chapel dressed like a terrorist called the Jekyll to make an ad, an, an ad for Mothers Against Drunk Driving. I've appeared as Mr. T to raise awareness of the blood drive that we were doing on campus. So, so being in front of an audience had never really been a big deal. It, it, Except once you've been in front of audiences enough and you start self-reflecting, you realize, hey, my leg bounces when I talk to people. Or there's a picture of me in, in, in a yearbook, in the 1985 yearbook, and they reprinted it again in the 1999 yearbook. I was the, the recipient of the Regina Spirit Award, and, and the title was Short in Stature, Big in Faith. And I'm standing in front of this group of students, and I'm standing and I'm I'm standing on the outside edge of my right foot. It was a habit I had as a speaker that I stood on the edge of my shoe rather than flat-footed. I don't know why, but it was comfortable, and that's what I did. And then you realize, hey, I put my hands in my pocket, or I move my glasses up and down, or I lean against a table if there's a table there. You realize you do these weird things when you're in front of people speaking that you aren't consciously aware of. Well, I was at the Maysville Church of Christ, and I was up on their podium, and they, and they had a, a large lectern there, a big wooden one. I call it the body armored lectern that kind of wraps around everybody, and I've got my Bible there, and I was standing and talking, and I shifted my weight to my left leg, and I shifted my weight to my right leg. Then I shifted my weight to my left leg, and there was a gap between the bottom of the lectern and the floor, and I slid my foot under there. And then I moved it out and I put it back. And as I was talking, I was moving my foot for whatever reason. And then I noticed as I pulled my foot back out, there was something white attached to my shoe. And so now I'm speaking to this audience, but every time I glance down at my Bible, I can see I've got something white attached to my shoe. Well, at some point, you don't want things attached to your shoe while you're speaking, especially that when you finish the speech, you're going to walk around the podium and, and give uh, the invitation or the altar call or ask for a response to your lesson. And you don't want to walk out there with stuff stuck to your shoe. So in my brilliance, I just simply slid the thing out from under the podium and put my left foot on it in order to peel it off of my right foot. This is the part of the, the, the story where you figure out, yes, I am a genius. I don't know if this was a roach trap or a glue mouse trap, but I guarantee you it's an idiot trap. Because now I'm standing behind this podium with both my feet stuck to the trap. And whoever had set the idiot trap had now caught a Boone and Crockett 185-pound wall hanger because there I stand with both feet stuck to this glue trap in front of an audience of several hundred people. And some, you realize suddenly this is not solvable. There's no way to get out of this with any dignity. And you, you just simply stop the lesson and go, ladies and gentlemen, I apologize to you, but I've got something stuck to both of my feet and I'm going to have to go pulpit diving to get it out. And in your suit and in front of God and everyone, you go down below the podium and you pull this 
trap off of your feet, you raise back up. The audience is laughing at you. You set it to the side. You give it one glance, and you say, three brown recluses and a roach. And you go on with your lesson. There's a place. There's a time. There's a set of circumstances that you have to just look at the people in your life and say, I'm, I'm stuck. I, I, I can't get out of this. And I'm going to have to let you know about it as I make my best effort to do it, or I'm going to have to let you know about it and then ask you for your help. We often hear the idea of being stuck in grief. But sometimes we get stuck in, in depression. Sometimes we get stuck with anxiety. Sometimes we get stuck with intrusive thoughts. Sometimes people feel stuck with an emotion. They, they have a deep, enduring dissatisfaction, or they have a, a pervasive irritability, or, or there's just something that they feel like is, is on them like a heavy weight, and they just don't know what else to do about it. Well, I think the first thing to do about it is admit it. I think you have to take a clear stock of your life. You, you have to go and, and, and look at yourself and say, you know, I've tried... <laughs> I've tried an irrational or not very smart approach to this, and not only do I have one foot stuck, I've got both feet stuck. And now it's time to be honest with myself and have some ownership and, and just look at everybody and say, hey, y'all, I've got to do something that looks really strange. But the reason that I'm I'm doing this is, is because I'm stuck. Now, once you admit to people that you're stuck, then you've got to change your position. You can no longer be standing upright behind the lectern. You've got, you literally have to, to kneel to address this problem. And then once you do the kneeling, then it becomes a hands-on problem because you're not going to get this thing off your shoe until you actually put your hands on it. So when you're stuck, and, and it may be, like I say, stuck in grief or stuck in depression or stuck with a feeling or, or stuck with dissatisfaction, or maybe even you realize, hey, you know, my relationship is not progressing or my relationship is not satisfied, and, and I feel stuck. Well, you don't hide that. You don't keep it a secret. You, you, you admit it. You say it out loud. You, you tell somebody, hey, I'm I'm stuck. And this is what I've tried to do to fix it, but I've got to take some drastic measures to fix it now. And then once you unstick it, you set it beside you, and you label it for what it was. It was, it was a roach trap. Now, at the moment, it felt like an idiot trap, and it worked very, very well, but it was, it was simply a roach trap, a glue trap, and it had caught some insects and a preacher Maybe it wasn't designed to trap me, but it did. But once I admitted I'd been trapped, once I admitted that I had the problem, once I admitted and, and told everybody what was going on, you'd be surprised at how much support I got from the audience as they allowed me to solve that problem. And it dawned on me that I could have probably said, hey, I need somebody to come up here and, and, and unstick me. And anyone 
of a dozen people in that audience would have walked forward and knelt on my behalf and taken the glue trap off of my shoes. I don't know where you're at. And I don't know where you want to be. But if where you're at feels like you're stuck and you're trapped and you're powerless, I think the steps are pretty clear. You, you admit that you're stuck. You admit that you're trapped. And you probably have to admit that there's some things beyond your power. And then you ask for help. Or you at least ask for tolerance or patience while you try to do the thing yourself. And then ultimately, eventually, the key to being unstuck is, is to kneel. And you know I'm talking about prayer now. And then even after you've asked the God of the universe to help you with this thing, you're still going to have to put your hands on the glue trap. You're still going to have to do some of the work yourself. You're still going to have to make some decisions. And you're still going to have to decide that what you thought was solving your problem didn't work in the first place. And it's, it's going to continue not to work. Getting stuck is pretty easy. Getting unstuck is pretty difficult. But it's possible. Now, just because it's not easy doesn't mean it's not possible. And just because it's possible doesn't mean it's easy. But the key to being stuck is decide that even though I'm here, and even though I didn't plan to be here, and even though I didn't choose to be here, and even though this might have been a trap that somebody set out for something else, and I ended up getting caught in it, the key to getting unstuck is to recognize that, that the glue that's there is a temporary glue, and it's not a permanent glue. And just because you're there doesn't mean you have to stay there. Just because you've stepped in the glue doesn't mean you have to stay in the glue. You see, the things we've done in the past do not define our future. And the things that we've been trapped by don't have to become our permanent residence. Getting stuck might actually be a normal part of life. Getting unstuck might separate the winners from the losers. And getting unstuck involves stopping what you're doing. Because I was adding to my problem. I had one foot caught in the glue trap, and I added another foot. And, and so I had to stop adding body parts to it. There was no need to go down there and put my hand in the trap. So I had to, had to stop what I was doing. And then I had to look at the audience of about 300 people and say, hey, I've got this problem, and I need to address it, and I need to address it now. Now, that involved a certain amount of discomfort. That involved a certain amount of embarrassment. It involved a certain amount of humor. But once I took ownership of the problem and, and was willing to admit to somebody else that I had the problem, then I had to do the necessary things. I had to change my position. I was no longer up front in behind the podium looking at an audience, I, I had to get on my knees and remove the glue from my shoes. And, and there's no really good way to do that. There, you know, it could have turned in, I had to take my shoes off and, and then pull the glue strip off. As it turned out, I could free it without taking my shoes off. But at that point, once you admit to the audience that you've got this problem, 
you got to be willing to get on your knees and remove anything you have to remove to make this thing happen. And then getting unstuck involves not living in that moment. Because now I've got a sermon to finish. And as embarrassing as it is, and as uncomfortable as it was, and as humorous as it seemed to be, it doesn't give you permission to stop. It's really not appropriate just to say, well, I've had this uncomfortable moment in life, and, and now I can't go forward. No, you're unstuck. That means you're free. And not only does it mean you're free to move, it means you're free to move forward, and you're free to move from your past. And the problem about being stuck is we tend to dwell in our past and we tend to live in our past and we tend to let our past define us. If you can just do a little imagination with me, if I make the statement, in my truck is a candy bar. Now, some of you know what the tactical Toyota looks like. Some of you, just having heard my voice, would create an imaginary vehicle that I drive. Some of you, uh, knowing m me only from pictures, and, and people who see me and realize that I'm short, imagine that I drive this large, jacked-up truck. I guess it's a, a compensation issue or something in their mind, but whatever. When I say the statement in my truck is a candy bar, not only did you create a truck image, a lot of you created a, a candy bar image. Some of you saw a Snicker or a Milky Way or a Payday. There's always some uh, engineer out there who goes, but if you've got a candy bar in your truck, it's melted. Well, just for our purposes today, it's in a cooler pinhead. So get off my back. Anyway, so you've, you've got in my truck is a candy bar. Now, the unspoken part of this is that if you could find my truck and you could get in my truck, you could have the candy bar. Now, I'm relatively sure that where my truck is currently parked is, is safe. I've got a, a very secure little pickup truck. And so I'm about 95% sure that my truck is still out there where I parked it. I'm better than 95% sure that if you got into my truck, you could find snacks. And if you could get into my truck and find the snacks, you could indeed eat the candy bar. And whatever candy bar you came up with, you can have a fantasy candy bar right now. But our minds do the same thing. Because you see, we say, in my past, and we create this vehicle for our past. And we create that thing that's in the past, and, and the unspoken part of our mind says, if we could go back into the past and find it, we could fix it, we could redo it, we could undo it. That's what makes you stuck. Because you see, I'm about 95% sure that my truck's still out there. I'm 100%. Without caveat. Without reservation, I'm a hundred percent sure your past isn't out there and you could go outside and walk from here to the other coast and you would not find your past and since it's not out there for all practical purposes it technically doesn't exist anymore because there's nothing you can do about the past now you can get out of your past move past your past and do something about it and that's how you avoid being stuck. That's how you get out of being stuck is you leave the past, 
address what you can do in the present and step into a new future. So then getting unstuck is about moving away from the past. You don't visit the past. You don't go back to the past. You simply take the lessons from the past and you move forward into the present. And then the things that you didn't do, you change to things that you will do. The things that you did, you change to those things that you won't do. The decisions that were unmade are decisions that you make. And, and so rather than being stuck in the past, the past is corrected, not in the past. The past is corrected in the present. And the present leads to and creates a new future. Keeping Up With Jones, the Lonnie Jones podcast adventure is sponsored by us. What? We sponsor ourselves? Is that even legal? Check us out on Amazon. You can have access to the titles of Pedagogue, the youth ministry book by Lonnie Jones. Cognitive Spiritual Development, a Christ-centered approach to spiritual self-esteem. Grappling with Life, Controlling Your Inside Space, a small essay using the principles of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu to talk about psychological and emotional self-defense. If I Were a Mouse, a children's book written and illustrated by Lonnie Jones. And then The Selfish Real, a very short story about a decision. Also, you can check out our YouTube channel to see archived lessons and presentations from across the country, some videos with uh, rope tricks and knots. Don't forget to visit the uh, Facebook page, 550 Guys, to learn about the little rope men that we make and in, that we invented and that we make. And then be sure to click like, subscribe, and share. This is Keeping Up With Jones, the Lonnie Jones Podcast Adventure. Thank you.